Welcome to Jazzheads Radio. We're interviewing people who play at and are involved with Wakefield Jazz, and we're asking them to pick 10 tracks that they think everyone in the world should hear. This evening, uh, we have Jeff Waterhouse, who is the chief sound engineer of Wakefield Jazz. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Uh, perhaps you'd like to uh, just introduce yourself to uh, the listeners. Uh, right. Uh, I've been interested in jazz for quite some time. Um, I have no real technical knowledge of music. I tend to like things. It's a gut feeling, really, whether I like things or not. Um, I have quite a broad interest in different types of music, but I tend to be sort of follow specific artists or specific types of sound or whatever. Um, I came from a household which, as far as I know, there wasn't really any interest in music. We used to listen to Radio 2 a lot, or the light programme, as it was called. Um, the only thing that I, I know that my father liked was Mantovani's Cascading Strings. And apart from that, um, I had no real sort of direction in music at all. So uh, that's it, really, I think. <laughs> uh, so this evening, uh, you've picked a particular theme for us. What's that? Uh, I've decided to choose uh, big bands. Um, we don't get an awful lot of them at Wakefield because obviously we can't, we haven't got room for, for them. Um, they tend to be a, a very occasional but welcome uh, presence. And um, with a programme like this, you have to have some kind of limit on what you can choose because, say, if you try to choose your 10 favourites, well, I've got hundreds of favourites. So I thought big bands were something that perhaps hadn't nobody had been done on, on nobody done on the programme before and uh, it would limit my choices a bit. So the first track you have for us is Akabilk. Uh, and it's a little unusual for Akabilk to be in a big band, yeah? As far as I know, he's never made another big band record. I don't know whether he's ever played live with a big band, uh, but certainly this is something slightly different. I first heard Akabilk to know that it was him uh, was on a, an outside broadcast that they used to do on uh, the radio. Uh, they had Bank Holiday broadcast from the seaside and in, in days gone by they used to play a lot more variety of music than they do now. It wasn't all pop music. And uh, one day they had Akabilk and his Paramount Jazz Band on and I heard them playing Stars and Stripes and that was the first time I really knew that I liked something that was jazz. Um, I recorded it on a, a tape recorder because I, I couldn't afford to buy records in those days. So I had a tape recorder and used to record the top 20 and used to record these live programmes. And I used to play that over and over again because uh, I quite liked it. But I didn't really take the uh, adventure in jazz any further at the time. And what's the name of the track? The track is called Festival Junction.
And we're now moving on to the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. That's right. The National Youth Jazz Orchestra uh, was founded in 1965 as the London Schools Jazz Orchestra by Bill Ashton. Uh, and it was aimed at providing big band performing experience for young gifted musicians um, at a maximum age of 25. And many of today's uh, top jazz people uh, on the British scene came through this band. Uh, there was Guy Barker, Phil Todd, Dick mm -hmm. Pierce, Nigel Hitchcock, Dave Huygens, uh, Steve Titchener, Steve Sidwell, Ian Thomas, Mike Smith, Pete Beechill, Chris Hunter, Dave Plews, the Orgwellies, Steve Waterman, Mark Nightingale, Andy Kleinder, and many, many, many more. Are you sure you haven't missed any, Jeff? Oh, I've missed I've dozens, missed yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's the track that you've, uh, you've picked the, and, for us? And the track is uh, called Remembrance for Jim. Uh, it was composed by Paul Hart and recorded in 1991 and it's commissioned by one of Nigel's supporters whose husband had just died and she wanted to celebrate the good times they'd had together. Uh, the solos are by Richard Simons on flute and interestingly by Dave Arch on piano. Dave Arch you will now know as leader of the band in uh, Strictly Come Dancing.
I love a bit of flute in a big band. Uh, that was a that was a fantastic musical choice, Jeff. And next, you have someone who you think is a pretty underrated as a jazz singer. Yes, uh, it's Georgie Fame. Uh, he obviously became famous for uh, his records in the sixties, uh, like Yeah Yeah and and stuff. But uh, he'd always been. Uh, in, interested in jazz and although he now tours mostly with his sons in a band uh, really just going through his recording history uh, this is a recording of him with the BBC big band uh, the, the CD is called City Life and he's doing a track called Dream Boat uh, it has a nice build up of tension this because uh, Georgie Fame singing mostly on his own to start with um, and then when the band comes in, it starts to swing like the clappers, as only a big band can. And I thought, since big bands have always included uh, a singer in their repertoire, uh, that I'd have one in this set. When my dream Dream no more will roam. 
What a what a powerful voice, uh, Jeff. We're now moving on to uh, something led by arguably the world's greatest drummer. Yes, well, some might say that. Uh, I uh, did have a, a go at playing the drums some years ago, um, and really because I'd seen Buddy Rich play, uh, I thought I could be the next Buddy Rich. But I soon realised that I wasn't going to be, and so I more or less gave up trying. Um, this particular track uh, is not a Buddy Rich recording. Uh, it was made just after he died uh, and put together by Neil Peart, who was the drummer in Rush, as a tribute to Buddy. And uh, the 18 tracks have each got a different drummer, although the artists are all people who've played with or admired Buddy Rich himself. Uh, this particular track is Beulah Witch and the drummer is Matt Sorum, who I believe used to play with Guns N' Roses.
Oh, I do like the uh, power and intensity of bands that are led by drummers. That was that was uh, that was really really charged. Um, I, I know now, Jeff, you're taking us on to something that's quite different. Yes, uh, Kaleidoscope of Rainbows uh, by composer Neil Ardley, uh, and this is from 1976. Um, he wrote this kaleidoscope as a sequence of nine variations on the Balinese musical scale, which is D, E, G sharp, A, and C sharp, whatever that means. <laughs> and uh, Barbara Thompson's Paraphernalia uh, was my all-time favourite band. And uh, together with her husband, drummer John Heisman, she toured with a constantly changing lineup and a variety of musical styles composed by herself. Uh, and she features as soloist on this particular track. Uh, and I find it quite a, a beautiful solo. And what's the track, Jeff? The track is Rainbow Four. <laughs> Thank you. 
on to uh, a, a bit of a different theme now, Jeff. Uh, Abdullah Ibrahim. Yes, Abdullah Ibrahim was previously called Dollar Brand, um, and uh, he was a South African musician who uh, left uh, to live abroad. Um, most of the music that I like, be it jazz, classical or popular music, is rhythmical. Uh, and I find the rhythms of South African township jazz are very uplifting. It's an amazing contrast with the awful conditions that must be endured by black African musicians for so many years. Uh, this particular track is called African Market. Uh, the solos are by Joe Gallardo on trombone and Klaus Stoller on trumpet, Lucas Lindholm on bass and uh, Abdul Ibrahim on piano. Thank you. 
is a, a lovely fusion of different musical styles. Uh, quite, quite an intelligent and uh, well, well an, an excellent arrangement underpinned by a fantastic rhythm. I think I'm a bit like you, Jeff. I like music that has a really good rhythm, uh, rhythm to it. We've got something a bit different now from uh, Laurie Johnson. Yes, uh, Laurie Johnson's a composer who was probably most famous for writing film music and um, uh, themes for TV series, uh, in particular The Avengers, uh, which starred uh, Patrick McNee and at various times Joanna Lumley and Diana Rigg. This particular suite, Synthesis, uh, is was written to combine a symphony orchestra with a jazz band. Uh, it's got the London Jazz Orchestra and the London Philharmonic. I usually find that attempts to combine jazz with classical music end in failure. It always seems like the classical bit has been tacked on afterwards to achieve credibility with serious music. And we've had people at the club uh, attach a string quartet onto their jazz quartet. And usually it's just a waste of time for me. Just means that we have to pay extra for the music. <laughs> and for some reason, when jazz musicians get to the top of the pile, they have to write something to include strings. The only thing which I previously uh, found worked for me was the Focus uh, LP by uh, Stan Getz. But I think Laurie Johnson has achieved an equal partnership with the jazz orchestra and the big band in this particular piece. And the track is called Allegro. <laughs>
That was uh, such a, uh, a big TV, big band sound. And I know you're taking us in a different direction over to the west coast of America, to California, with the, let me see if I can get this right, the Turtle Island String Quartet and Bay Area Jazz Composers Orchestra. Yes, that's right. It's something a little different, I thought, to put in the mix. The, the Turtle Island Quartet play a mix of jazz, Indian, bluegrass and classical styles. And the leader of this group uh, thought that often when you try to combine jazz and classical music, that the classical music took a back seat and was sort of tacked on. But in this case, he's written a piece which puts the string quartet right at the centre of the action and uses the jazz orchestra as the accompanying piece. And, uh, well, it's something, it's something I heard on uh, Jazz Record Requests on Radio 3 uh, and tracked the group down and, and bought the CD. And the track is? The track is called The Iron Fist of Fashion Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, if that was the Iron Fist of Fashion Part 2, I'm curious as to what Part 1 is like. And I wonder if there's, um, well, if there's a velvet glove of fashion as well. Perhaps that's a Part 3 that they'll come out with at some oh. point. Jeff, you've got uh, Carla Blay next. Yes, uh, Carla Blay's been writing fantastic big band scores for many years. And she lives now with Steve Swallow, who's a bass player. And he features on this track on seven-string bass and also the inimitable Gary Valente on trombone. Now, I find the orchestration arrangement in this particular piece uh, is wonderful. Uh, as the music dies away at the end, all those little themes in the background uh, just make it really wonderful. If you don't feel healed after hearing this, then I think you're dead already.
That was, uh, that was, as you said, truly wonderful. And uh, some real athletic trombonery uh, involved throughout that one. Uh, the next track um, has a really interesting title, Jeff. Yes, it's called Hog Calling Blues. And uh, it's one of Mingus's well-known compositions. This band, Mingus Big Band, was put together by Sue Mingus to promote the legacy of Mingus's music. And it's composed of the cream of the New York City jazz men uh, and the m- many people who played with, with Mingus. This track sums up the organised anarchy in Mingus's music. The band is both tight and loose and overall makes a glorious noise. It's, uh, it just sort of shows uh, how happy sounding a band can be. I think they seem to sound, really sound as if they're enjoying playing this. Uh, John Stubblefield plays the tenor sax, plays the tenor sax solo that only hogs can hear. And um, I hope this has presented a variety of big band musical styles for this particular show. Well, thanks for being on the show, Jeff. It's uh, they're a really interesting uh, nine tracks that you've played and we're playing out now with the Mingus Big Band. Uh, and uh, hopefully you'll come back and pick another ten at some time in the future. It'll be a pleasure.
Oh, 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 oh.